like your background. It's super cool. Ooh. Appreciate it. Yeah, this is our custom marquee, and congratulations on the film. We saw it last night. Had a great time. Thought you both were terrific in it as well. Thank, Thank you. you. So we recognized a famous castle location from another fantasy franchise, as well as the beautiful hills of Ireland. What was your favorite set or location from the film, and why? No one has talked about this yet, but we really? <laughs> we went to the Hogwarts castle. We went, we it was did. crazy. We, we elbowed each castle. other. Yes, we were like this. Did you recognize it? Yeah, the halls, the, the uh, so many spots. There it wasn't just one shot; it was a bunch of shots. Yes, throughout the castle, it was so cool. It was like, I mean, it's the castle from the first movie. I think yeah, they used movie. a different castle in the other movies. Maybe. But the, from the first one, it was so cool. I got to see the Quidditch lawn. That was one of my favorite scenes. So I, I guess that answers your question. I know you had already named that, but that was one of my favorite locations to shoot at. Really? Mm -hmm. You were both involved in one of our favorite shots from the film where Doric is hanging above a fiery, pudgy friend. It looked like a great reference to Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park when Lex oh is dangling God, from the ceiling. Yeah. The yeah, they're paying attention. Yeah, they're paying attention. We, we know we, movies. We do it for a living, yeah, so sometimes yeah. we have our moments. <laughs> but um, are there any other references besides that one or Easter eggs to other films or franchises? The only reason I, I know why uh, John put that in uh, that movie is that it's because he was such a big fan of Jurassic Park and like a lot of stuff. There's probably more references in there that we don't even know about to Jurassic Park, but I know he definitely was excited about that scene because uh, he, he was like replaying that one scene over and over again and trying to get it exactly right to look like, um, to mimic the other scene, but like... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Was there other any any other references or? Gosh, not that I know of. I mean, I mean, more I really obvious, have to ask them. More obvious references is the like reference to the cartoon version of Dungeons and Dragons right. and stuff like that. Yeah. So. Moving on, the film embraced a lot of practical effects. We love practicality in filmmaking, so we appreciated it. Our favorites were the uh, cat people on the beach. What was your favorite practical effect in the film, and whether it be a creature, a weapon, or a prop? The tabaxi were pretty cool. That's the cat people. The really big fish. Uh, the really big fish was really cool. The the dragonborn uh, beggar was oh, yeah. really cool. He was incredibly detailed. He had sweat on him. He had tears in his eyes. He, his jowls moved. And there was a man uh, no, inside I, of him. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, there was a man inside of him moving the guy. But then there was also another man operating the face. And making sure every muscle on the face moved exactly how it needed to. It was intense. These guys were incredibly impressive. I'm a big fan of practical effects as well. I feel like it, you can always tell when you watch a movie uh, if it's practical. And it always looks... For some reason, it looks more real to me when it's practical. Even if it's like a fantasy character. I believe it more. I don't know why. Maybe cause it's because it actually exists. It exists. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah. were, were the sets a combination of practical sets with some blue or green screen, or was it mostly heavy green screen? Did you have a lot to work with on set? A lot of on location. Like, really, they didn't. They tried to use green screen as little as possible. So there are certain scenes, with, like uh, in the Underdark, there's, you know, they built out a lot of that uh, bridge that we're kind of walking on, but there is some green screen in the background. The but dragon is... CGI. The dragon is a green screen, obviously. <laughs> really? Oh. <laughs> you can build that. But, you know, like, 
and then like the graveyard scene has green screen, but they built that whole graveyard in st- on stage, which was incredible. And that makeup too for the corpses were all it was all practical, all practical, and and it was amazing. I remember I, I was really geeking out during that. Scene. Were the corpses puppeteers or were they people there performing were people. inside of them? There were people performing oh, wow. in them. Yeah. Even in the one that was, uh, can we say this? Cut in half. It's not. <laughs> yeah, that's not no, a no, spoiler. I, it's not a spoiler. It's the one that's cut in half. They actually just had half of them on there, and they built a thing underneath for him to fit through. Yeah. So like all of it was. I mean, a lot of it was practical. Uh, even you know the, when they could have gone like the shortcut, you know, the cheap way out. They really, really uh, tried their best to push the practical effects, which I, which I loved. We appreciate it so much. It adds like a timeless quality. Just like those old Star Wars films, they still hold up. Those practical aliens look just as good, if not better, than CGI ones. We love it so much. Now, what was it like going to work every day with these 21st century legends like Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez? Did you learn anything from them? And how blue are Chris Pine's eyes in person? They're very blue. Um, Chris Pine is very blue eyes. He's, He's kind. Uh, Michelle is also kind. She has no filter, and I love her to death because she's incredibly funny just by being herself. I, I love her so much. I re- She really holds a special place in my heart. She doesn't know how much I love her. She reminds me of people that I grew up with, and uh, that's why I love her. I could go on and on about how much I love Michelle. Chris is great, too, though. Chris is nice. No, everyone was great, and I... Uh... Both Chris and Michelle were wonderful people, and um, watching them work, they were very, they knew you you too uh, know a lot about CGI. I didn't really know too much about how to really do this whole business, but um, um, watching them work uh, made me feel more safe. Like, oh, these are just veterans in this CGI world. So, um, also, uh, Chris always found different ways of where to hide his phone. <laughs> which, <laughs> which is a skill I, I I didn't know that that people had, but yeah. and he always wore the uh, sunglasses to set. He did wear sunglasses <laughs> yeah. to set to hide his blue eyes. <laughs> to hide his blue eyes. It's a talent. Eyes. It's a talent. So we're massive fans of Wes Anderson and Sophia. You're going to be appearing in his next film, Asteroid City. Can you tell us what that production has been like? Well, I hope. I'm going to be in his film. I was a very small role, and uh, mm. I remember being on set. It was crazy because every single day someone new was there you know because he it was such a big cast that i never knew who was gonna you know land on and go on set and and be there and uh i i I just see someone who looks vaguely familiar like oh my god that's like that one person and i i sorry i can't really say who was there not because i i don't know if i'm allowed but because i'm just so terrible at remembering actors names so it was a bit of hell for me because like so many actors were there that like and I, I, I never knew how to talk to them because I, I was afraid because I didn't know any of their names, even though they're probably, like, a famous person. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I, I remember, though, I... Yeah, so that was that was crazy. That was... It was just... It was just kind of like a, a blur, to be honest, being there. But I, I loved Wes Anderson. Um, I think that was one of the reasons why I started acting, like, really loved acting. Well, thank you so much for your time. That's all we have for you two. Appreciate you coming on, and the movie was awesome. It was so great to chat with you, and we hope you have a great and successful press tour with this film. Thank you. Thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults, with zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. And that was our interview with Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves stars, Sophia Lillis and Justice Smith. Thank you so much to Paramount for letting us come to an early screening of the movie, as well as interviewing cast members for our podcast. The film comes out on March 31st. And now we're going to do our spoiler-free thoughts on the film. And I got to tell you right now, this movie was flat out a lot of fun. I had a great time. I don't know anything about D&D, nothing about the lore, nothing about the game. But even as a casual moviegoer, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, we went in no expectations because we've never played the board game before. The only thing I know about D&D is it's on Stranger Things. Obviously, the <laughs> opening of the first episode. One of the directors, he, he was one of the stars for Freaks and Geeks, the old TV show. And he in that show, his character plays D&D. And it seems like you know, D&D is just more popular now, which is really interesting. And we love fantasy films, love science fiction. And we love game adaptations, book adaptations. This is with Hasbro. It's pretty tough to do because it's complex as hell. It's really interesting and fascinating. So we didn't know what to expect. And one of the best parts about this film is you don't know, you don't have to know anything about D&D to have a great time and to understand everything that's going on. I think the filmmakers and screenwriters did a terrific job making this super digestible for any general audience member to go into this movie with no expectations and not knowing anything about D&D and just having a terrific time and getting everything and understanding everything fine. And it was really well made. There was a lot of great practical practical effects in terms of props and creature designs there's plenty of cgi animation it gets pretty big and bombastic but a lot of practicality especially with creature work and i really enjoyed it i think the corpses were definitely a highlight of the practical effects as well as some of the uh, creature designs like there are cat people in it which i really loved obviously and i think the the crew and production did a, a standout job of actually if they did use cgi they still built sets out and use green screen minimally in it. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves comes out March 31st, 2023, directed by Jonathan Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, who wrote the screenplay along with Michael Gilio, stars Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, Reggae Jean Page, Justice Smith, Sophia Lillis, Hugh Grant, Chloe Coleman, and Daisy Head. Again, like Anthony said, one of the greatest strengths of this film was its use of practical effects, not only with sets, but also creature design, props, wardrobe, because there's so many shortcuts that a lot of studios make in these big sci-fi blockbuster films that even some simple things that would just stand out and look so much better practically, they opt for CGI because it's a quicker, easier route. But something about practical effects, even if it's something campy like a giant head on a creature or, or a creature or these props that are huge, but the fact that it's there, it's tangible, it adds such a timeless quality 
just like those old Star Wars films where the aliens, they're all fake practical beings, but it works and still looks better than half the CGI creatures we get in movies today. And the comedy really works as well as the action. There are some awesome action scenes, great fight scenes. Rodriguez has a lot of great action sequences, and Paige has a really fantastic one that he nailed. So I was really impressed and surprised by the action sequences in them. I found it very fun, great choreography, and the stunt work was excellent. Yeah, I was... It was awesome. The sword yeah. work was terrific. Great. Choreography. Yeah. Michelle Rodriguez kicks butt in this movie. And to like go back to Game Night, that movie has great fight choreography as well. Mm-hmm. It's actually really impressive, even though it's not swords and stuff like that. But they still did a great job. And that kind of stands out from that film for me. And I thought they did a terrific job in Dungeons & Dragons. It really looked terrific. And Michelle Rodriguez is awesome in this movie oh, yeah. as Holga. Lots of great... Uh, visual effects shots as well. We have interesting creatures and into in combination with the practical creatures. They did plenty of visual effects shots that all looked really terrific. The characters were incredible. It's such a well cast film. Everyone did a great job in their roles. And you know, I, for just minimal cons, I would just say sometimes the dialogue would just be a little predictable, or like mm-hmm. there's an emotional sequence coming up. You kind of knew exactly what the characters were going to say because it's like the kind of a a trope beat or a cliche beat, but you know, it didn't take me out of the movie at all because the characters are great. The action was great. The comedy was really hitting me hard in the bone every single time. So I had, I had a great time with this movie with not knowing what to expect. Yeah. Mike, my one con to the movie, because even though I thought the comedy worked a lot of the time and it was very like, oftentimes like great, like tongue in cheek, Monty Python kind of humor, and there's a couple of really great laugh out loud moments that they didn't give away in the in the trailer, which I'm glad of. But for me, just a little too much comedy, too constantly. It was too much of like every other line was a quip or a joke. So I think for me, it was just a little too much comedy, like too often. I think that's just blockbuster yeah, filmmaking today, nowadays. like this the sci-fi sort of uh, fantasy genre. Mm-hmm. You know, taking on that template of the MCU over the last 20 years. It's just filled with lots of one-liners and humor. I think that's just modern filmmaking that we have to get used to for big studio blockbusters. I can't do it! (laughs) (laughs) But that's other than that, the comedy... There are some really great laughs in this film, and I was very surprised how funny it was. And this this movie moves fast. You're with these characters. They're going on a bunch of different cool locations, but also tons of beautiful locations shot in Belfast, in Ireland, the hills of Ireland. Great big practical sets like towns and and huge cabins and houses, as well as tons of locations you will recognize from the Harry Potter franchise and the films specifically, like Chamber of Secrets, Sorcerer's Stone, Half-Blood Prince, tons of scenes from those movies, like in the hallways, you will recognize immediately from this film. And we talked about that, obviously, with Sophia and Justice. We brought up the fact that, like, we recognize these locations immediately. They were so excited to hear that we recognize them, as you heard, because during their whole press junk, and no one brought up the fact that they shot this movie at Hogwarts Castle. It's crazy. Like, how do you not notice that? It It was so cool to see, as well as it was so fun to see how excited they got when we brought up the shot that we obviously recognize as a reference to Jurassic Park when Lex is falling through the ceiling and she's dangling and the Velociraptor is falling on the ground and j- gets up to try to nip at her feet. Yeah. And they basically replicated that in the movie in a our favorite shot in the movie for sure. They did a perfect job, Rebel, because I immediately, I immediately thought of Jurassic Park when I saw it. Yeah, I think I even elbowed you. I'm like, yeah, we, we did go. a lot of elbowing. Yeah. We, we elbowed each other during like when we, the castle reveal of... It wasn't like an exterior, but the interiors of the castle were clearly Hogwarts. Like and Hogwarts, man. I know <laughs> that hallway so well. I know it by heart, and I knew it. I was like, that's Hogwarts. I know that limestone anywhere. <laughs> I know that limestone anywhere. I was, you know, pleasantly surprised by this film. I didn't Same. think it was going to be this fun because, you know, 
like I said, I have no idea anything about Dungeons and Dragons. Never yeah. played before. I just know of it. I've known about it, and the most I know about it is Stranger Things related things. <laughs> but then to see them introduce a fantasy world that's no, so well known to a very niche audience, to a general audience, I think mm-hmm. they did a really great job for anybody going blind to this film to be able to joy, enjoy, have a great time. And it, obviously, they're going to hopefully get a potential franchise out of this which would be cool because i had a great time not gonna lie and i think that this film wasn't like an, an absorb a normally large budget i think it was like a modest budget for a blockbuster 150 million okay so i think that they don't need to have a billion dollars to grant a sequel so i think that this film could definitely make 400 million i think it could it could have legs because of word of mouth reviews and reactions like ours have been actually surprisingly positive and I think that audiences will really enjoy this. I have been very disappointed with most fantasy films that have come out over the last 20 years. And I think that we have a really good one here with this one for last sure. Last 20 years? Yeah. Even Return of the King? Okay. Let's say last post, 10 years. Post Lord of the Rings. <laughs> post Lord of the Rings. Right now, Honor Among Thieves, the Dungeons and Dragons film, is sitting at 90% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes with 40 reviews as well as a 77% critic score. Now, we won't get the audience scores right now for a little while probably closer to the release date but it's over 80 on metacritic which is very good yeah and the fact that they're releasing the embargo this early two weeks before the movie comes out almost is incredible news because they know it's good we know it's good and they know audiences are going to enjoy it that's why they're releasing the embargo so early because sometimes these big blockbusters you don't know what the scores are going to be on Rotten Tomatoes not that you should always use that as a gauge of if a movie is going to be great or not but they don't release it sometimes till the day of or the night before the day before but they know it's good, and people like us saw it, and we had a really great time. We think you will, too. I'm expecting maybe that 90% to drop down a little more in the mid-80s, probably, I'm guessing. Yeah. But I I give this movie probably a 7.5, 8 out of 10. I give it a 7.5 out of 10, and I expect this film to not do huge numbers because it already has a lot of competition with films that have been coming out in March, and then also John Wick comes out the week after. I mean, the week, the week before. before. But I do expect this film to pull in 30 to 40 million opening weekend. I think it's going to do very well overseas, and I predict 350 to 400 for its total haul. Got some fun facts from this film as well. Let's hear it. We all know actor Joe Manganiello is a huge D&D fan. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's kind of made it super popular on TikTok now because like, there's a bunch of videos of him explaining it, and we all know how he's got like this like Hollywood crew of D&D people. And he revealed on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast that he co-wrote a D&D script, but it is unknown if it was incorporated into John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein's script. Also, John Francis Daly, like I said earlier, the movie's co-writer and co-director, starred in the TV series Freaks and Geeks from 1999 to 2000, where his character, Sam Ware, is shown to be a big fan of D&D and is seen playing the game with his friends in the show's final episode, Discos and Dragons. And this film was originally going to be developed by Warner Brothers Pictures after winning a lawsuit against Universal Pictures where Chris Morgan was said to write and direct, but it was later moved to Paramount Pictures and All Spark Pictures. Wow. Bouncing around. So I hope you guys go check this film out. It was a terrific time. It's one of my favorite movie releases so far in 2023. Thanks again to Paramount for letting us come to that early screening, getting us an interview with two of the cast members from the film. It was really terrific to have our first, you know, Hollywood celebrity guest on the show, which was super fun. Hopefully we can do some more stuff like that going forward. And legit, this movie is a fun time. I hope you all check it out. I think that uh, everyone's going to really enjoy it. And so far in March, it's Creed, Creed 3 and Dungeons and Dragons. 
two very good releases. I and think, then John Wick. Yeah, well, yeah, it's not out yet, but I think so. So far, those are my two favorite movies of the month. Yeah, and we'll see John Wick in a couple days. Mm-hmm. But man, what what a great time! It was awesome. Hope you enjoyed it. And again, we're gonna be doing a giveaway with Paramount at the end of the month for Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. It's gonna be an awesome care package to whoever wins it. So make sure to keep your eyes peeled when we post about that because you don't want to miss losing out on that contest. See you next time, everyone. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.